podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Ain't no place like a cowboy place, ain't no town like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way, have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at Roy's, ain't no way you're going wrong, DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Welcome to the Fatback 4 Daily for this Thursday evening. This show is brought to you by Paddy Power. It's a bookies, it's a website, and it's an app. If you gamble, please gamble responsibly and try to do so with Paddy Power. Odds on Liverpool, odds on football, all on odds on all other sports as well. But as I always say, gamble responsibly. Tonight, we are going to have a look forward to the game versus Spurs at at Old Trafford, it's not at Old Trafford unless it's a FA Cup semi-final from the mid to late nineties. Um, <laughs> I really did get out of that well. Uh, no, it's at Anfield. I promise. It's a half four, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a Premier League game. It's not an FA Cup semi-final. <laughs> um, sorry, I just had visions of uh, the ninety-six uh, semi-final when Robbie Fowler was doing things to Aston Villa. Uh, but look, it's it's a game between Liverpool and Spurs. We're going to look forward to that. I have Grizz Can on the line, and I have uh, Ben Haynes. Ben, I'm going to let you go first. Um, Travelling to Liverpool at the weekend, uh, Spurs have had a, what I would call an indifferent start of the season. Are you confident going into this one? That's very kind to say indifferent. I think absolutely rubbish might have been a uh, might have been a better way of putting it. Um, not confident uh, and not necessarily even able to predict what on earth is going to happen. Um, the I think the 5-0 in midweek was a little bit misleading in the sense that it, it flattered us a lot and we haven't looked like that all season barring a, a really good first half against Crystal Palace. So no, not necessarily confident. And I mean, honestly, Liverpool have been, without meaning to sort of blow smoke up your lot's backside, Liverpool have been fab to watch this year just across the board. So um, so I, I'm a little bit nervous. It's going to be a repeat. I don't know if you remember that game at, at Wembley where you absolutely pounded us um sort of worried that it might be a bit of a repeat of that to be honest okay so that does it does it does a distinct lack of confidence here um yeah I, do you know what mate? I, I i think it's what it is with, with spurs at the moment is that we're so used to having an identity and i think that's something that liverpool fans are really really enjoying at the moment there's a very clear identity with the way that you guys play there's a very clear um, strategy behind everything that you do and Spurs have had that for the longest time and for the first time since Pochettino joined 
it just feels a little bit at the moment that, that there's a lack of identity there and there's a lack of structure and style. Although having said that, it would be very Spurs-like to suddenly go out and put in a huge performance this weekend. So I suppose that's one thing Liverpool should be a little bit wary of, maybe a bit of a backlash from this from this opening nine games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, Liverpool come into this off the back of a draw at Old Trafford and a 4-1 win against Genk last night in the Champions League. You know, as much as, as Spurs 5-0 win, maybe something that you could overlook because of, you know, who they were playing, they were at home, stuff like that. Liverpool's won last night. It's probably in the same bracket. Not a great side. Had flashes in the first half, but when Liverpool actually just got their rhythm about them, um, ran out very, very comfortable winners. You know, Genk looked like they were out on their feet after about 60 minutes. But how are you feeling? Just just initial thoughts going into this game on Sunday. Are you filled with confidence? Or are you going to give Ben loads of hope by telling us it'll be a one-off draw? <laughs> No, I'll get to that at the end. Oh, I fucking know you will. But but listen, the point of it is, right, listen, we've got no reason not to feel confident, right? So, but there's a difference between being confident and sort of uh, arrogant about it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, Spurs are, you know how much I I rate Spurs. I know you guys take the piss out of me, but I do. I, I actually rate Spurs. And I actually rate the manager very highly. And in a weird way, he is under pressure. He shouldn't be. In no way should he be under pressure because that club, some would say, I don't know if Ben agrees, but probably been overachieving, you know, in the, in, 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 while he's been there. You know, it's, they haven't, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what their net spend's like, but I can guess. I don't think it's that much, <laughs> as I usually do. But uh, uh, under, Levy, under Levy, I'm assuming it's not a high net spend. Don't it's worry, mate. You're, you're, you're bang on. It's not a high net spend. It's all. not, is it? And, 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 you're, and Spurs are messing with a country, right, in Man City. And uh, Liverpool, who have become sort of... Well, Liverpool have always been a world institution. But now they've got the right manager, the right structure, as, as Ben was alluding to. So they've done well to sort of keep up with us, you know, not all the time, but majority of the time, you know. So it is the first dip probably under Pochettino, but the worrying thing for them is it's more than a dip now. It's, 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 it is like going on for about six to eight, nine months now, isn't it? So, but listen, in big games, big, play, big players stand up, big coaches tend to sort of pull out their tactics, special tactics. I'm, comfort, I'm comfortable that we should win. Um, but you know, I'm not. You know, it's not a, a landslide or anything like that. It is like going on. Okay. Yeah, do you know what's really interesting there, Grizz? I think the the sort of thing that you you picked out there that's that's kind of bang on the money is that even though it, right now that it does feel like maybe that the, the manager's under a little bit of pressure, I think um, Spurs fans have almost weirdly over the course of nine games got used to the idea of this might be a transitional season. There was a load of talk and I actually felt that there was more talk in the media from neutrals about the manager being under pressure than from actually within kind of the Spurs fan base. I think, like you said, Spurs fans are very appreciative of what Pochettino has done for the club and to get us to a Champions League final, having spent nothing for the best part of two years was to be like close to a miracle, really. It, yeah. um, that that run was absolutely miraculous. So, um, I, I think you're, I think you're bang on, mate. I think he sort of got credit in the bank with Tottenham fans, and and um, given how little we've spent it in the past few seasons, he's definitely earned earned a lot of grace. 
Do you know something? Um, he definitely has some credit in the bank. Um, let's talk about sports for a few minutes, all right? Um, and we'll get on to Liverpool and we'll get on to the game itself and, and who might play and stuff like that. Um, but, like, there's people asking questions here already. Like, Chris asks, is Aldo Voyle injured as he didn't play against Red Star? As I think Sanchez always gives you a chance. Keep that in mind, Ben. I'll come back to that when we uh, when we sure. go to the lineups and, and, and how things may pan out. But just talking about sports, right? And... I have a theory, Ben, right? And you can shoot me down and you probably will. I have a feeling the relationship is not great between Mauricio Pochettino and Daniel Levy and the board or whatever it, the setup is there at, at, at Tottenham Hotspur. I have a little feeling that players may have been signed um, above his head. That's just my opinion. And he has got credit in the bank, but you just said there that Spurs fans maybe feel that, yeah, this is a transitional season. Could it be a case that they're looking at it going, there's something not right here and we're just going to have to swallow it for the moment? Um, so uh, let me take them, I'll take them separately. So first, firstly, in terms of the relationship between Daniel Levy and Pochettino, they have a really, really complicated relationship in that I think uh, on a personal level, they actually get on very well. Um, I don't know if you remember kind of like a year ago, Pochettino wrote a book alongside Guillaume Balaguer and there was this kind of like Tottenham curse or something like that, that was going around that since he wrote the book Spurs hadn't won a game in like six games or something like that which was at the time absolutely ridiculous but within the book there were a number number of sort of key messages that I actually felt gave a lot away about those two so Pochettino doesn't agree necessarily with Daniel Levy's um, brinkmanship shall we say and the way that he tries to wait to the last minute and they don't always sign the correct targets and they'll take the second or the third target instead of the first target um, uh, but they do have a very, very good personal relationship. And I think that's why everyone is very secure in the idea that Pochettino will not lose his job. He could go out this weekend and get absolutely tonked by Liverpool and he'll still be absolutely fine. Um, and, and in terms of what you said about the uh, signing players against his will, now this is an interesting one as well because Pochettino sort of earned the right to choose the players that he wanted this summer. And he actually got three of them. So Sessegnon, the Celso... And uh, and Endombele were all Pochettino picks. They were all people that we've been linked with for a long time. However, it was made very clear when Tottenham, for example, signed Sissoko. There was a, a really interesting quote from Pochettino when he said, um, Daniel Levy believes I can turn uh, Sissoko into a top player. We'll see. Um, and it, I thought that was a kind of thinly veiled dig at like, well, if he's going to pick the players that we're going to sign, I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to come off and work within my playing style. So I think I think there's shade it's sort of shades of grey, isn't it? I think um, uh, their business relationship could be better. Their personal relationship is decent. Sometimes Pochettino gets who he wants. Sometimes he doesn't. And I think for anyone that knows anything about football, you can imagine how enormously frustrating that must be at times, and how incredibly liberating that must be at times as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just when I'm watching sport, like, th- to be honest with you, I watch Liverpool and I'm usually just tunnel vision on Liverpool, but there's so many clubs this season that are intriguing to me. Leicester being the one from very early on. United, what's going on at Definitely. United is another one, but also what's going on at Spurs because you do have that mix of no money spent last season, managed to get to a Champions League final, brilliant achievement, uh, you know, it's, and then... You have the stadium issue and when you look at North London and you look across at Arsenal and you see what happened to them when they spent massive, massive money on a stadium, how they had to adjust themselves over the over the over the years um that that was after that, you know, the kind of way it, it was difficult, although the money now is 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 
ridiculously much more than than what it was at the time Arsenal done that. Um, just a couple of comments in here. Uh, Ray Dickinson says he's just popped in to let us know that Pepe has been added to the Ballon d'Or list uh, because he scored tonight. Um, Dunno asks, can we talk about Cornettos? We can absolutely talk about Cornettos before we finish. Um, a couple of people have said, please let Ben know that um, we have the hots for Son um, and we would love him in the, in our team. Um, Grizz, you, Grizz, you've been starting this agenda, mate. Yeah, <laughs> Grizz yeah. did this the other day, you dirtbag. You know what? <laughs> like, honestly, not honestly. If honestly, if I could handpick any player from the Premiership, I'm talking Premiership, right? Possibly, all right. KDB apart, but this guy's son is the one I would pick. Yeah, if you I wouldn't have look. You, if you got offered like a fully fit Laporte, you wouldn't no, have him over Matic. No. 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 no, wow, that's really Barry, interesting. Barry Carr says if we got son, we could run for president of the United States. Um, <laughs> uh, Pop and Dew says Anfield has to be absolutely bouncing at the weekend. Chris Brack says to be fair, Sissoko nearly went to, to Everton, but he's counting his blessings that Spurs came in from. That's oh, absolutely just, fair. Uh, yeah. and, and he's just signed a new contract as well. It's absolutely mad. Yeah, he's, well, a, I think he's absolutely really... the future. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> interesting that you said about the, uh, Anfield has to be bouncing I think it's really really interesting what you said about the stadium itself like Spurs' new stadium I'm really glad to be playing at Anfield this weekend because Spurs are not settled in that stadium yet mm. they're, they're, they don't know how to be in that stadium it doesn't feel like home just yet we're still learning the routines and the kind of like the the match day rituals as as it were and there's not properly like a sing section yet and I actually think that Spurs will fare better in a kind of game where they're against the odds and backs against the wall than at home where there's almost some level of expectation. So I think Anfield will be absolutely rocking as it always is. But I, I think that also is something that Spurs should be looking to embrace. Yeah. Um, Papandil mentions that the, the Champions League final when VVD went into fifth gear to ease Son out of shooting. Um, but look, Son is a fabulous player. Um, and I... And, in all seriousness, um, if I thought there was any unrest at Spurs, I'd be absolutely turning the boat upside down in January, never mind rocking it when it, if it came to Son and putting a bid in there. But it'll be interesting to see how Spurs get on, you know, in a different start, as I said. But they're not too far off where they would probably hope to be in, in the league if you, if you have a look at, this, at the league table. They're not, they're not too far off, you know. Well, it's because, it's, because, it's because the rest of the teams are shy. I mean, yeah. even, though, even though I'm a fan of Spurs, right? And they're set up and their manager. Not they're set up so much, but their manager. I'm a big fan of Pochettino. All right. But it's it they they're kind of lucky that even though they've had a sh- very poor start, they're you know, they're not they're not they're there or thereabouts, aren't they? four or five points either way. And uh, and uh, and you know, they're back in, in in the sort of the the echelons of top four, you know, that's where they expect it to be. I don't ex- I don't think any Spurs fan realistically Expected to challenge City and Spurs, uh, City and Liverpool. I think, you know, consolidate another top four and then target one of the cups. Would you probably agree? I don't know if you'd agree with that, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the reality. I think that, uh, unfortunately, we all perhaps naively assumed that Spurs would occupy a position in that middle ground between Chelsea, Arsenal and United and Liverpool and City. And thankfully, Chelsea and Arsenal have been up and down themselves. I mean, Chelsea have lost twice, Arsenal have lost twice, Spurs have lost three times. So it, it's not uh, we're not a million miles away, it, it, a, a couple of wins. And as you say, we're sort of back into the top four. And 
Leicester are kind of the surprise package, aren't they? Because they're not playing in Europe, so their their players are sort of fully fit and box fresh and seem to be on the front foot all the time. I don't know whether they'll be able to maintain this form. We wrote them off a couple of years ago and they maintained that form all the way through the season and got a very good manager as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think you're right, Chris. I think eventually, 10 games from now, we'll see the, le- the league filter through and you'll probably see Leicester perhaps drift off a little bit and then Liverpool and City will be miles out in front and it'll be a straight shootout for that third and fourth position. Barry Carr loves um, Son Young-Min so much, he said he would sack off getting Mbappe, Sanche, Sancho and the Nike deal if uh, if we could just get no, hold relax, of him. Um, relax, yeah, <laughs> relax, relax, will you? Grizz has, um, yeah. has some twittering to do about that sort of stuff. Stop being stupid. Um, <laughs> listen, Grizz, looking at Liverpool, you know, did they win They win during the week. They were poor at Old Trafford. We've, we've gone over it numerous times, both on this show and, and in private. Um, they didn't seem to get going. They had no rhythm about them and funny when they got that rhythm they could have tore United apart in the last 15 and if the game had gone on another 10 minutes you know it's it's um it's I think it's Liverpool's there to, there to win and probably would have done but the win at the, the win Jordan the week a couple of changes you know freshens up lads i.e. Henderson and Amwin Aldum even though he comes on for the last 10 or so but going into this one Grizz it, it's a big game it always is against Spurs you know at Anfield half four it's the place, as someone else said earlier, the place will be bouncing, the place will be ready to go, as Anfield usually is on match days now, regardless of what time of day we play, because for my, in my reckoning, it's the best Liverpool, it's the best Liverpool side I've actively seen, and what I mean that is, the, the, the best one, I was probably about five years old, but the one that I could live through, this is probably mm. the best Liverpool, this is the best Liverpool side I've ever seen, but this one, Grizz, is it good that we come off the back? It's, it's United we're coming off the back of with this one to try and make a point. Is it a good fixture to have as opposed to, you know, you know, some people might say, oh, I'd love Norwich at home, even though we've played them. But Norwich no, at home, no, just, no. I, I, this is this for me is the right sort of game to have, Grizz, to, to bounce back after what was a disappointing draw last weekend. Absolutely. I mean, the, the gank um, in between kind of worked out perfectly as well. Because as you said, we, we got to give four or five players a rest, uh, freshened up. It's, give, it's definitely given him some selection headaches. I personally don't think it's much of a headache. I think he's going to go to his tried and tested formula. Spurs actually do give us a good game at Anfield. Um, I know we've got a good record in terms of sort of wins, whatever, but in the last few years, if we, if we, if we actually analyse the games... You know, we've been fairly lucky, you know, especially last year with the Salah on goal, I think it was in the end or something like that. Aldevoir on goal. That's the one, yeah. So Spurs do actually give us a good game. Look, it's a perfect game in terms of I'd rather us playing a big team and Spurs are a big team after the Man United. We can call it debacle because our standards have been so high this season. We can definitely call that debacle of a performance We've ripped it enough, Gav. I don't want to go through it again. It's going to, you know, it gets me angry. Mm. You know, it's everything that we said, don't do, Liverpool. Don't play the occasion. Don't get nervous. Don't be timid. Treat them like the Burnley and Sheffield United level they are, right? But we we actually, we actually played into their hands kind of thing and sort of froze again, which was frustrating until the last 15 minutes where sort of he unleashed sort of Keita, Ox, Lalana, etc., etc., and, you know, they were shit scared. Spurs will be good. I think Spurs definitely try to play against us as well, which is good. Spurs don't 
don't really sit back. I, you know, with the likes of Lamella, Son on the flanks or behind Kane, I don't think they've got the personnel to sit back. Um, you know, again, going through their lineup compared to ours, you know, their midfield, I don't think they've got a, a standout central midfielder. I mean, I think Endombele is a wonderful technician. Uh, wonderful technique oh, on the ball. Wonderful, I didn't realise Brandon Rogers had joined us. Go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, I'll give context, mate. I ain't going to just walk. <laughs> so let's, so let's, so, yeah, sure. So, so end up, you know, end up, you know, like, if you go for likes for likes, you know, we are midfielders stronger, but, you know, that forward line of theirs will give us issues and problems. But um, I'm anticipating a very good game, man. I always enjoy watching Liverpool Spurs. It's usually an end-to-end open game. It's not, you know, there's, it's not there, there's not much tension to a Liverpool and Spurs game, if you know what I mean. I can't explain it. There's a certain tension, like when there's a Man United or whatever, Man City, obviously. But with Spurs, maybe it's because of the, you know, the record that we've got against them. It gives us sort of a, a feeling of, look, whatever happens, we'll beat them in the end kind of thing. But, you know, I think it will be tricky, but I think it's going to be a very open and exciting game. Do you know what's strange as well? There was like a, a weird kind of mutual respect for each other after the Champions League final. Like you, you expect to come away from a game like that and be sort of almost you guys like stick it, sticking it to Spurs fans and Spurs yeah. fans, like aggressive back to Liverpool fans. In actual fact, I think as Liverpool had done it the season before, it was like, look, we know where, we know how crap it is to be in that position and like fair play for making it this far. And on the other hand, Spurs looked at Liverpool and were like, look, you, you managed that game perfectly. No one can have any qualms with the way that Liverpool absolutely like played their, their game plan to to perfection so I, like you said I don't think there's there's a kind of weird atmosphere isn't there it's not like anyone's going out there with the intention to thoroughly ruin the other team it's just going to be a really good game and like you said Grizz we had a couple of decent ding-dongs at Anfield over the last couple of years I thought the, uh, yeah. the, the, the tool was a quality game um, where when Yama scored that goal when Salah then came straight back after Kane missed the penalty oh, and then yeah. and then last year as well when when you had the um, when sort of looked like everything was going to go Liverpool's way and then Spurs suddenly had two counter-attacks and Sissoko ballooned that one over the bar from about six yards and I thought that was it I thought that was going to be the moment but um, uh, thankfully for Liverpool it was Sissoko six yards out not anywhere <laughs> yeah. There's, um, there's a couple of people on here just trying to talk about the Liverpool team, what do you think will happen um, with regards to Oxlade-Chamberlain and Henderson in midfield. We will get to that. Um, I'll get Grizz's team prediction before we finish. Uh, Carl Duff is asking about the prediction for our back four because he, he still has doubts over Matip. Um, will he be back or not? Not about his ability, obviously. Um, North Red reckons Ox ex-Arsenal against Spurs will be ideal. I'm not too sure. Pop, Pop and Do says Robertson, VVD, Matip, Trent. He reckons that may be the back four. Do you know what, um, Ben? I was doing a podcast um, in the last hour, um, the Cop Table podcast, and it, and what every week they do a preview of, of Liverpool's Premier League game. And Mickey Hazard was the was the guest on there, and he was talking about. I was asking about the, I suppose the. What way do I put this? The team bonding or the the, the the solidity in the team and the squad, you know, there's being bits and pieces in the media and stuff like that. Sure. And he, he was mentioning that at Wof, the Wofford game at the weekend, he felt it was a very, very poor from sports. Wofford played okay and sat behind the ball, but there was no real zest or real kind of, 
I wouldn't say ambition, but there was no real drive in that sports side. But he noticed in the change in personnel on Tuesday night, um, and he reckons a couple of lads that may have been an issue with regards to wanting to leave the club, X, you know, A, B, and C, whatever, whatever players they are. He felt that the the application and the, the drive from that side on Tuesday night was was way way different. Is that something you noticed, and is it, is it something that maybe Pochettino may have to bite the bullet and say, yeah, he X, Y, and Z are good players, but they they're giving out all the wrong signals. I'm going to have to go with different players here, maybe not first choice, but players that really, really want to put the short sports short on and give everything for us. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think the Watford performance was was a really, really abject, slow, lethargic performance, and. Um, the fact that we we in that game we played a five at the back. I say a five at the back, but we played with high kind of wing backs. Um, something that obviously Man United did against you guys. So it'll be interesting to see whether we do that again. The problem for us is that our wing backs were not creative at all. Aurier and Rose had had horrible games against Watford. So uh, to see Ben Davis come in the other night was was uh, I'm not gonna say a relief. But Danny Rose has had a poor season so far, so I imagine we could see Ben Davis in there again. I'm not sure if he'll revert to a three at the back. He played two at the back uh, a, 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 the other night in the uh, in the Champions League against Red Star. Um, potentially, he might sort of copy the Man United blueprint against you guys and just look to counter attacks. Obviously, we've got we've got enough pace in potentially Son, Lucas, Kane to lead the line. Um, but it, but you you are right. I think there has to be some sort of message to the guys that are potentially looking like they're going to go stale, that you're not going to be able to just walk into the team. You've got to actually turn up and put a shift in. So, so like you say, interesting to see who starts. But for me, I think the biggest one there will be Ben Davis at left back. And the reason why that's big for me is because I think we all remember what Mane did to him kind of three years ago yeah. or whenever it was or two years ago, like horrifying how, how, much he, he ruined him in that game but yeah for me I think Ben Davis starts um, but there may be a couple of others that kind of sneak in that perhaps shouldn't be in there mm. um, In weird breaking news Jack Rodwell to undergo medical at Roma after leaving Blackburn Bizarre um, Absolutely bizarre that comes from Chris Brack and he, um, he, was on 70, he was on 70k he was on 70k a week at Sunderland you know I mean imagine that, what money is he on at Roma yeah, well, there you go. He's under, undergoing a medical at Roma. So yeah, there. but just when you think Roma couldn't make a more, more worse signing than Chris Smalling, right? Mm. They freaking go and buy Jack Rodwell. What mm. is going on? Don't know. Bro? Don't know. There, must, know. Be a so there, must, there must be a tax break involved or something. I don't know. Um, Poppendew says the Reds would need to target Rose on Sunday. He feels he's he may be Spurs' weak spot. There you go. He's just spoken about uh, Ben. There has just spoken about uh, Ben Davis coming in. Um, let me see. Only will ask what formation does uh, Ben think Spurs will go with? Potentially a back five. Yeah, he's touched on it there. I think it's suicide to go uh, back five against Liverpool. I really do. Do you? Um, yeah, even though yeah, even yeah, though yeah, United did at the weekend. Come here, come here. The thing about the United game at the weekend was if you actually go, I've watched that game back. I watched it live and I've watched it probably yeah I've watched it twice since um, yeah, and, and I can what? you sad frog I know it, <laughs> well I tell you what I was, start, I was starting the Rocky boxer um, I've watched Rocky 1 good Rocky 2 half an hour left boring as fuck um, but I've heard 3 and 4 are really good and I'm not allowed to watch 5 because it's horrendous you've never watched him yet? no I've never watched the Rocky movie no. oh ben, mate mate Ben you don't want to get into this you don't want to get into this <laughs> we'll be here for hours 
where's he been all his life? The, the list, the list is endless. I'm not going into it. Um, um, I, I will afterwards. I'll give you the list afterwards. He's been watching shit like Pineapple Express, right? <laughs> and he hasn't watched Rockies. Oh my god! Uh, Grace is trying to tell me for about six months to watch these two shows, and I just haven't got around to them. But <clears throat> when I watched, uh, going back to going back to a, a semi-serious point, I watched I watched this game three times overall. Okay. Um, and the thing about it is, like, the media and, and Sky or, or whoever was reporting on this game said Manchester United were really, really good um, tactically against Liverpool. That's nonsense. It's absolutely utter nonsense. And the reason is because forget all tactics for a minute and forget that they lined up with seven predominantly defensive players. Liverpool came out onto that pitch and could not string passes together under no pressure. They, there was no movement, there was no drive forward, there was no interlink play, there was nothing there. And you know something, the game was open for Liverpool to do it. And when they done it, every so often, they looked like they were opening United up. Liverpool were just poor at the weekend. And it didn't matter that United played three or four at the back. Funnily enough, if United had played a 4-3-3, they may have had more chance against Liverpool at the weekend because of how poor Liverpool were. Um, but they sacrificed that for going three at the back. They pushed their wing-backs up. That's fair enough. But Liverpool usually will come out and it doesn't really matter what formation you play. You've seen her at Arsenal earlier on the season or at home to Arsenal. Arsenal came out and played the diamond, suicidally came out and played the diamond. Liverpool took no time to figure it out and just went for them. Liverpool went and showed United too much respect there at the weekend. And because of that, they could not get out of a gear. They could not click into the next one until probably 15 minutes from the end. So, look, if you go, the problem you have with Liverpool is if you go three at the back, air three up front, they'll just go and stand on them three centre halves and we'll trust the rest of the team to dominate everywhere else. And then we'll just go three on three against you. and more more times than not, we will win. But did, that's just did how you it not goes. Think, did you not think the other day, though, that um, maybe United just took a bit of a gamble on the fact that they felt your midfield wasn't going to be creative enough if they played with a low block? I, what yeah, yeah, stood yeah. out for me is that United, obviously, um, they recognised, and fair play to them for doing this, because for all of the chat about them being like the biggest side of the Premier League era, blah, 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 they ate some humble pie and just said, look, Liverpool are a better team than us. So we've got to just go out to try and nullify the areas where Liverpool are phenomenal, aka the front three and then your wing-backs, and just hope that we can counter-attack. And, and they played with two up top, which I thought was a good idea. I totally agree with you about a diamond. I mean, Spurs cannot afford to play a diamond this, this weekend. We'll get absolutely ruined. But um, I'd, be, I'd be interested. I think Pochettino might go with a might go with a five at the back, or it could be a four-two-three-one, which is his kind of you'd have to say over the course of five years is probably his best formation to date. I just think United, United, like you're right, we can't give them too much credit for that performance because all they did was really recognise that they were not good enough to take you on. Um, but at the same time, they actually they took their chances and it kind of paid off, right? Yeah, it, it did pay off, but like they played five at the back and they were a low block, right? As people like to say, this low block. But if you watch Liverpool against low block teams and they play Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, what they do is Fabinho protects, wins the ball, and and you know redistributes it here, there, and everywhere. And what what happens is Liverpool just pass, go left, go right, go left, go right. Firmino will come out and take a touch on the right wing or the left wing. Mane might move in. Salah might go here. You know, but that didn't happen on Sunday. It was the United's right. performance was dictated by the fact that Liverpool were extremely poor. That's that's just the way I look at it. And that's not where you know Liverpool tinted glasses on. Watching the game three times, I still look and going, how poor were we? 
you know, and you play beneath, you play beneath yourselves. Like, absolutely, was, was, and and, and you know, people said you know you dragged us down to a level. No, we we went down there ourselves. We didn't get dragged. We we went down there willingly ourselves. We should have come out and imposed ourselves on our, our game on them and absolutely. I took think them apart. I think I think we really missed Salah. Um, of course, any team would miss Salah, but I think Klopp made a mistake, and obviously we don't want to go back too much into the United game. But I think the fact that he knew Salah was missing and we didn't add to the creativity in midfield simultaneously, I think that backfired on us. We just tried to do a like for like. And it was just not a like for like with Big Div uh, for Mo. I think that's where the crucial error was for for me anyway. And apart from individuals actually not playing very well on the day, as you said. I mean, I thought Hendo had a stinker, Trent had a stinker, etc., etc. Yeah. Yeah, it was just we just didn't show up. And this team relies on on you know rhythm and 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 different things. And and the game on the game on Sunday we get a point. I don't think it's done us any harm. Um, because eight and eight wins on a draw is no harm, but also it's given us a little kick that we may have needed. We've got some rhythm in midweek, and we we come into this one as I said. I think it's a great game to go into a big game rather than you know a, a straightforward game against Brighton at home or something like that. Um, Grace, give me a prediction for Sunday. Oh, okay, on the spot, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I like it. I like do you wanna, it. Do, would you like to take five minutes? No, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for a two-one win. Two-one win, okay. And Ben, what would your prediction be for Sunday? Yeah, sorry to be a bit vanilla, but I'm I'm sort of a two-one win as well. But I'm, I maybe go a little, as in two-one win for Liverpool. Sorry, I'm going. I'll go a little bit deeper though. I think Spurs might sort of sting Liverpool at the beginning. I think we might do a little bit of what Newcastle did to you guys, mm-hmm. get a chance and take it, and then. Um, sit off and get deeper and deeper, and you guys just pick us off. But I, I, the, the the optimist in me thinks that Spurs will have a good performance and will come out of our heads held high and, and give you a really good game. I think Liverpool might just have a bit too much quality and a bit too much atmosphere-wise for us. Yeah, I'm not going to ask for lineups because there's loads of questions coming in there with regards to, you know, sports centre halves. Have they got three centre fit centre halves? Liverpool, of course, are waiting on Matip. Um, you know, team predictions. You usually get a really good feel around that around Friday afternoon when the last training session is done and stuff like that. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Pop and Do says three one to Liverpool. Kevin Sullivan says two 0 We need a clean sheet to get that clean sheet ball rolling. Um, but look, lads, before we go, uh, it was mentioned very very early in the show. Um, can we speak about Cornettos? We absolutely can. Grizz, as a man that um, as a man that f- once filled the fridge. Full with double decker ice cream, and I have got the evidence. Um, what what what's your um, take on Cornetto's flavor? Cornetto, Cornetto, definitely one of my favorites. And mm. listen, you got to give that ice cream shout context only because it was like the 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 um, uh, what was it down the road? The co-op, the co-op down the road was closing down. Yeah. So so basically, they had to get like rid of everything. All their ice cream. And, and you know, I love a bargain. Mm. So basically. Basically, I was like sending one member of the family because there was only limits you could take. Ah, right. <laughs> so I sent. So yeah, I come from a very big family, as uh-huh. most Asians do, right? So yeah. I, I, I got everyone to buy like five cartons of each thing and filled up my freezer. Yeah. I've got like a garage where I've got like a big freezer, so mm. sort of for emergencies and and, and comfort foods like this. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Cornetto for emergencies like after a one or draw with United I bet you went straight for the freezer (laughs) up to his eyes and double decker ice cream (laughs) I tell you but no the the Cornetto is mad yeah I love Cornettos but it's got to be um, the original the original Cornetto for me 
is the ultimate. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Cornetto, I think Cornetto and closely followed by Feast. I don't know if they still make them. I'm sure oh, they still the, mint, the Mint show. Feast was amazing. Yeah, the Feast. Uh, forget all these. I don't even know new ones' names. Don't even ask me to sort of name the new popular ones. <laughs> but yeah, the old the old classics like Did Feast. Did the co-op not do like... Um, Millennial ice creams, no? I didn't. Che- I didn't check in. Listen, I only went for the bargain, right? Yeah. I didn't go for a fucking proper shop, right? I just went. You didn't for the go bargain, for a big so shop. You price. just. It was yeah. literally one pound a tub. You oh. cannot go wrong yeah. with the quality of ice cream that was on on sale for one pound. Come on. So, <laughs> so, I, so basically, twenty-seven. I slagged you about having all that ice cream, okay? And uh, you know, me and you do this all the time. But basically, you rounded up. Probably, if if it was if there was limits on it, I would say you probably rounded up ten to twelve members of your family. Um, and the reason, hold on, the reason for it being is that the co-op down the road is shutting down. They've loads of double decker ice cream. It's a it's a quid a tub, so you all need to go down there and buy five tubs each. It wasn't just double decker. No, it wasn't. It was double decker. It was. Um, it was mixture, man. Come on, Snickers, the Mars. There was loads. Oh, I hate my missus for showing you the pictures. I know. Sake. I love her. She's me. She's me favourite, Grizz. She really is. Um, ben, um, Cornettos, or any other ice cream, it, it's completely open to you, but a lot of people are shouting for the original. Some people are saying the strawberry, which I think is an abomination, and a lot of people are going for the mint. Is there anything else oh, out good. there? Oh, good. I was worried I, I, I was worried you were going to say that the mint was kind of like a, a no-go, and suddenly I was going to have to pretend the signal was bad and sort of disappear. I'm yeah. a huge mint fan. Yeah, huge so Huge mint fan. Yeah. And, and like, and, uh. and Grizz makes a lovely point regarding the feast. The feast used to have a mint on the go as well, which was amazing. But um, I always, I, I remember I would like, as a kid, if you're ever by the beach and you're, and you're sort of ice cream of choice, you go Cornetto and then you get to the end and you're sort of at that point where you're like, I want this to keep going. But you hit the chocolate and you're like, right, game on. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking on gas. Let's get the chocolate in. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I remember one, one time I, my, my, my dad, like while I wasn't looking, bit the bottom off my Cornetto. Oh, my I, God. It, it, it took me months to forgive him. Like months. <laughs> Livid. Absolutely livid. You know when when someone takes a bite out of the bit in the middle of the feast, when you get to the chocolate bit, yeah. that's yeah. that's anger. I'm Incredible Hulk. You do yeah. that to oh, me, mate. I'm Incredible Hulk. I'm no, on, no, on a real one, I think you have every right to just go and buy a fresh one. Like because there's like a psychological thing there, like you're really looking forward to that middle that's bit. That's the part that you was waiting for all your life. It's the and disrespect. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't realize when I mentioned Cornettos that, like, you know, real family issues will come up. Um, I didn't realize that. You real, know, real football men like Cornettos. Yeah, that's the real <laughs> football men. Um, I presume you're speaking about me and you, Ben, when you say that. <laughs> um, but look, um, I didn't realize it was going to be a counseling session. Um, let me see, Chris Brack. Last question. Chris Brack says, "Is there anything really stupid you've ever done because someone dared you?" Grizz, apart from getting onto that camel that was the height of a double-decker bus, is there anything that um, you've done that, that people have dared you? And no, I'm not gullible, Gav. I, I don't do these kind of things. You know, mm. I'm not one of these that sort of you can easily trick into doing something stupid. You know, I've, I've got my I don't think it's a me. trick. I think it's just a dare. Yeah, dare, you know, but that's, but that's stupidity, isn't it? If, you're gonna, if someone's going to dare you to do something stupid and you're stupid enough to do it, then, you know... You're not, you're not right in the head, and I'm, and I'm fairly right in the head. 
You're fairly you're right a very, in the head. Le- very level-headed man, Chris. A very level-headed man. Mm, unbelievable. Yeah. Ben, have you got anything that you were ever dared to do and uh, it didn't work out well for you? I can't. Do you know what? Dares-wise, I can never remember off the top of my head um, like anything sort of from my haunted past. Um, yeah, actually, I tell you what. The one, the one thing I, I do remember uh, at university, I, I sort of originally joined both the football and the rugby team because I wanted to kind of just play as much sport as I could. Um, I went to the rugby initiation, and one of the kind of initiation dares, as it were, was that you had to see away a, a pint of snake bite from your shoes. And because you're in that first initial kind of bit of freshers, and you have the panic that you need to fit in, I remember stupidly drinking a pint of snake bite out of a brand new white plimsoll oh, that my, my parents had God. just bought for me before going to uni. I remember walking home barefoot carrying these pink plimsolls in my hand. So, yeah, I've absolutely bowed to peer pressure. I'm not nearly as level-headed as Grizz. Yeah, look, it's... Um, <clears throat> no, listen, fair, fair play, you've got away with that. The one there I would not do is um, after a Liverpool draw or defeat would be to go into Grizz's garage and when he asks you to go and have a look at my freezer um i i, I don't think that's i don't think that's right listen that's the fat back for daily grizz thanks a million for joining me one of my best humans that i know thank you no problem and pleasure okay ben thanks a million for joining us and we will have Guys, you on again thank you so much what an absolute pleasure and um yeah we'll, we'll speak again soon and enjoy the game at the weekend yeah, and the same to everybody else. Enjoy the game at the weekend. I will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday. I will be back on Friday at 10 p.m. as normal. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night, what's left of it. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Over and out. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov slash EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov slash EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.